Hey everyone, just me at the top of the show to let you know about the shows I have on sale for the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I have Don't You Know Who I Am, four shows at the European Beer Cafe, 3pm on Saturdays, and also my kids' show, Humankind, which is on weekends at the Q Courthouse. Tickets for both shows are at joshearl.com.au. Hey, big thanks to everyone who's Patreon subscribers. You guys are the absolute best. I say that every week, but you are. Uh, if you want to be a Patreon subscriber and get a whole bunch of extra episodes, Pod Machine, which is the sister podcast of this show, where we go through all the hit machines, go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. That's patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Also, thanks to everyone who's been leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leaving and writing stuff. It's always, always great. Helps out with the algorithm. Enough from me. I'll talk to you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation music series this country's ever produced, the 100% Hits Compilation. My name is Josh Earl and joining me this week, first time guest, kind of? Kind of. Been on the show before. She was on the live show only two episodes ago. Can you please welcome into your ears, it's Gillian Cosgrove, everyone. Yay. Yay. Hey, Gillian. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to, to do the whole thing, not just a little bit. Not just to sing a Radiohead song. Yeah, although I also any, loved that. We don't have any songs uh, of the calibre of Radiohead on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a bit of foreshadowing, listeners. I'd say volume 17, very, very good, side A. We're mm. now doing volume 18, side A. Same year, 1995. Yeah. How old were you in 95, Gillian? I was eight years old. Oh, so you might know some of these songs. You would, yeah, would some of them. In the, in the car with the parents and listening. Mm-hmm. I had 100% hits 98. That's the only one I ever had. And I, yeah. I mean, you must know because I know how much you prepare in advance. That slaps. 98, yeah, it's, go off. It's a really, I reckon 97, the best of 97 is one that is like just iconic. And I think they realized from that moment on, oh, th- we've got something really good here. Yeah. 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 In 95, still a bit dormant, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, there is one coming up that has not one but two Spice Girls songs on the one compilation. Oh, is that 98? No, 98 has Viva Forever. I don't yeah. know what else is on there. No, it must be before that because Viva Forever is like their latest stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a music compilation. Did you make mixed CDs and stuff? Did you do – were you one of those kind of mixed tapes, mixed CDs? Would have been too too young for tapes, but CDs surely? No, not too young for tapes. Oh. I used to do tapes. I used to um, – tape songs off the radio and then uh, play them back and then transcribe the lyrics so I could learn the lyrics. Yeah. Because we never had Video Hits magazine. I think maybe this is part of why I have a good memory. And also, like, if I could go to a friend's house who got Video Hits, then I'd, like, read their lyrics and I'd be like, go in. Because it was just, like, it was so cool and so unfathomable to know the words to a song 
It was smash. I think that's the thing. I know Spotify does have the lyrics underneath it. Mm. You can look at that, but no one's listening to Spotify looking at their phone anymore. Like you I, are. Okay. I look at it lyrics, but also that's like my job. I like to know what the words are. You know, like yeah. Because I used to buy CDs and take public transport home, and I didn't have a discman, so mm. I would look like open up and look at the song lyrics, and so I'd read the lyrics before I actually heard the majority of the songs on it. Yeah. Also, how devastating was it though if you bought a CD and then you opened the liner notes and they hadn't put the lyrics in there? So frustrating. I don't want to. I don't want to see photos from your tour that I didn't I don't go want and an, see. I don't yeah. want an essay about what this album means to you. I also want that, but I want the lyrics. Yeah, so. I don't. I don't mind a bit of an essay. Yeah, I do. I do like an essay, but it's got to have some lyrics as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Florence and the Machine album that must have come out in like the early 2000s, and there's an essay in it. That I don't even, I don't know if it's by her or about the album, but it's about, it's just a woman that's in a bath. And that's obviously deeply um, connected for me because that's how I like to be a woman in a bath. And I remember just being like, this is worth the price of admission alone. I would have paid for just this piece of writing. I loved it. My favorite one is in a Luxmith's album. I think it's called A Hiccup in Your Happiness. Daniel Kitson wrote a little like short story in it. (laughs) It's all about kind of like a breakup and how he's over the breakup and kind of, where is but the last line is still miss her butt and it's like oh it's heartbreaking it's great so good yeah hey swing is so good we're going to kick off this side volume 18 the year 95 what a year what a (laughs) year and we're going to kick off with a band who is a bit weird for being in 95 as not all their members are alive in 95 we are starting with a huge huge band Queen, and from their album Made in Heaven, this is their song Heaven for Everyone. And I'm going to start about 30 seconds into it because I want to hear the chorus. I want to hear Freddie Mercury build out this chorus. So here we go Heaven for Everyone. Days of cool reflection, you come to me, and everything seems alright in these days of cold affection. You sit by me. Everything's fine This could be heaven for everyone This world could be fair This world could be fun This could be heaven for everyone This world could be free This world could be one And there we'll stop it. Initial thoughts, Gillian. Have you heard this song before? I had never heard this song before. And I was like, is it a different queen? Because how could it be queen in 1995? It's kooky. No. And so, so this is the only album they released post-Freddie still calling themselves queen. Okay. So every other, even though they've retained being a band, it's always been queen and whoever their singer is. I think it's mm. just Adam Lambert is who they've actually released albums under. But yeah. So this was initially written by Roger, or was written by Roger Taylor, the drummer, mm-hmm. 
for his side project, The Cross, and it came out in 86. Uh, Freddie sang backup vocals on that that single. Uh, but for, no, for the album sang backup vocals, but for the single, uh, they put Freddie as the lead vocalist. This is back in, like, way back in the 80s. Mm. Okay. This version, though, is from 95. It's the lead single from the album Made in Heaven. The single got to number two in the UK, number one in Hungary. <laughs> Hungary, love this shit. Great. Yeah. Uh, so it was 87, sorry, that's the year, not 84. Uh, Roger Taylor initially wanted Joan Armatrading to sing it. And I, it's, not, it's not clear if she turned it down or they just went, oh, actually, no, we'll just do it ourselves. Mm. Yeah. So this is four years post uh, Freddie dying. And what happened is they, as they recorded Innuendo, which was the last one he recorded as they were alive, they knew they were on borrowed time. Freddie was already sick. And so Freddie just got to work on recording as many vocal tracks as he could. knowing, he, And he said to him, use all this when I'm gone. Use all this kind of, use all this material. I want it all out there. I want it out there. Which is, I think, a very interesting way to live your last moments going, I want as much stuff of mine out there. Cause I, I think if you knew you, you were terminally ill, that one or two camps, you either throw yourself into your work or go, it's all meaningless. What's the fucking point? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible to know. Mm. That is, um, I remember listening to, um, David Bowie's album, the the last one, right Black after Star, he died, Black yeah. Star, yeah, and just being like, fuck, like just knowing that someone is recording this when they knew they were dying, yeah, it just puts so much stuff in there, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's like um, I don't know if you've seen Warren Zevon on Letterman when he talked about his he had cancer terminal mm-hmm. and he knew that like there's no no cure, and so he goes on Letterman. The whole show is just him. He's the only guest. He sings like three or four songs, and it is fascinating it is one of my favorite things to watch you can't watch it too much it's a bit depressing yeah but in that letterman asks him what do you know now that you didn't know before you got this diagnosis and he says enjoy every sandwich oh and it's like oh god (laughs) oh Um, jesus so there's a, a documentary about how they um, – it's called Champions of the World and in it Brian May talks about these sessions. And so this is – I'll just read out this quote from Brian May. He says, by the time we were recording these other tracks for, after Innuendo, we had the discussions that we knew that we were totally on borrowed time because Freddie had been told that he would not make it to that point. I think our plan was to go in there whenever Freddie felt well enough just to make as much use of him as possible and we basically lived in the studio for a while and when he would call and say, I can come in for a few hours, our plan was just to make as much use of him as we could uh, and he told us, get me to sing anything, write me anything and I will sing it I'll leave you as much as I possibly can. And so even when he's like terminally ill, he's still singing as well as he's singing. Yeah. But this idea of like, I'll leave you with as much as I possibly can. Yeah. I think that's fucking beautiful because I always feel really weird about when people's stuff gets released after Post. they die. Yeah. You know, like they did with Prince and they have so much stuff to release. But yeah. even like, okay, I always feel really bad for Harper Lee about the other the book. Books. Yeah. Because she never wanted it published and now no. it's just out there and like there is something, at least in this way, it's like I have control where I'm like, yes, I'm recording this. Yes, release this after I'm gone. It's fine. Yeah. As opposed to being like, please don't look at my notebooks from when I was 21. 
oh, I feel that like if if I go, I'm like, oh, there's some joke books that I've got half ideas in. Please destroy them. Please yeah. don't. I don't want people at my funeral doing half bits going, oh, this is a bit Josh was working on. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just no, a it thought isn't. I wrote down. I woke up <laughs> in the middle of the night and wrote this thought down. Uh, I don't know if I've, I've had some – listeners might know. I've had some fa- family stuff going on. And so maybe think about death and all that kind of stuff and, and mm. legacy a bit. And people talk about – there's a uh, David Eagleman um, is a writer and he wrote this theory about dying. He's like, there are three deaths. The first is when the body ceases to function. The second is when the body's in the grave. And the third is the moment sometime in the future when your name is spoken for the last time. And it's like, oh, and obviously Freddie Mercury was like going, I want to have a legacy. I want people to remember whatever. And I think he will for as long as people are into kind of what we call pop music. I think Freddie Mercury will be one of those names that we still, no matter how bad We Will Rock You gets, and tarnishes the, <laughs> tarnishes the good name. People will still remember Freddie Mercury. It was camp and it knew what it was and I honestly loved it. I can't. Very rare for me to love a jukebox, but I did. I remember Ben Elton being on the panel. Uh, uh-huh. For those outside of Australia, the panel was a TV show. It was just people. It was literally what it said on the tin. People talk, mm-hmm. sitting around a panel talking and he was selling the musical and he said, this is the tagline. He was so proud of this. He goes, this is the tagline. Tagline. We will rock you. That's not just a lyric. That's a promise. And you could tell all the other members of the panel just kind of rolled their eyes and went, oh, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's amazing. Anyway, heaven for everyone. Don't mind it as a Queen song. It's not up there with their best, but, you know, if you know the story, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's got heft. Moving on. This is, I remember this song being played on the radio a fair bit. This is Barry and their song, Sunshine After the Rain. And it goes on. What do you think of this one? This, had this you heard it before? Slaps. Yeah, I had. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, yeah. Good. it's just like it's ridiculous. It just gives me like like at the at the age of eight, I would have been uh, I would have only been doing ballet only after I moved to Brisbane when I was ten did I start doing jazz dance as well. Yeah. But like this would have gone off for corner work. You would have been doing kicks. You would have been doing pirouettes to this. It's well, very Friday night dance class for me. You were eight when this came out. Barry was only 13 years older than you. She was only 21 when this oh came out. Uh, her real name's Rebecca Slate. Uh, it got to 24 when it was first released in 94 and then re-released in September 95 where it got to number four on the charts. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think the club scene had picked up a bit 
Yeah, and I think so that's. That, I think they played it in the clubs and people are going, actually, I really like this song. But yeah. it's it's a cover. So it was origi- originally released in 68 by Ellie Greenwich. I'll play a bit of her version. So this is 68. That's, that's the 68 version. Mm. And then it was released again in 77 by Elkie Brooks. And this is the one that I, I heard this one. I went, this sounds like, do you remember those old chill out mixes that people used to? This is the Elkie, yep. Bro- Elkie Brooks version, Sunshine After the Rain. Everywhere I go, I see a face we used to know. I pass a place. We used to go when you were mine. Since you went away, since you went away. I fucking love this version. I love this version. This version so is so much. good. All right. I added this to a playlist. I, I can't. I can't play it all, but yeah, it's so good. Um, it slaps. It's giving Carol King. It's giving Roberta Flack. Yeah. It's just. Oh, God, it's so good. Yeah, I think of all the songs off this playlist, that'll be the one I, I listen to again very soon. Yeah. I mean, look, no shade on Queen, but, um, yeah, it's 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 not the Elkie Brooks uh, I like. Okay, so we'll talk about the Donna, uh, the Berry version because it does contain, I only found out this term, interpolation of the Donna Summer song, I Feel Love. Oh, that's the... Yeah, yeah. So this is what... This means it's when using a melody or portions of a melody, often with modified lyrics, from a previously recorded song but re-recording the melody instead of sampling it. Uh, interpolation is often used when the artist or label who owns the piece of music declines to license the sample or if the piece of music is too costly to actually license. So they just get someone else to re-record something very similar. So, we've, But surely you still pay for it but less. I think – I don't know. I think you just – if you're not using the actual actual original, you've recreated it, maybe you don't have to pay as much. I, I huh. don't know. But that's – I only found this out last night doing research into this, what interpolation means. So There you go. Taking money out of Donna Summer's hand. Uh, not much in the way of the Berry story. I couldn't find much about her. Uh, mm-hmm. So when that happens, I go to YouTube and look at the comments. <laughs> the most reliable source. All of the comments are pretty much people saying they remember the song from their youth and they don't make music like this anymore. To which I say, yes, they do. You just yes, don't go do. to clubs and take ecstasy anymore. That's all it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. But Big I, time. Look, Barry, Sunshine After the Rain, very good. Very good song. Yep, absolutely. All right. Moving on. Someone we talked about in episode 17A the tallest man in pop music. This is Montel Jordan and something for the honeys. Time to just kick back. I turn around my baseball cap. I have a photo sitting on my lap. 
climbing the ivories until I see a female worth my while. I'm scoping at, checking a smile, yeah. and I know that I can get it in. I hit it if she's with it. I get the five to the six, seven digits. Call her up on my cellular, uh -huh. and all the shit that I'll say to her. The fun will begin when I hit the skizzing. Yeah. So if the girlie is lonesome. I think that she knows where to go when she wants some. Cause money ain't here for nothing. But I got let her something for the honey. Something for the honeys. <laughs> Finally, something for the honeys at long last. Look. Not to not to shit on Montel, but I would say this would 100% work. This is his thing. He sits at the sits at the piano in his backwards hat, his beer slamming the ivories, his beer slamming them. on his lap, making eyes with girls, going, "All right, here we go. I'm going to play some songs." He's a tall man. He wouldn't wouldn't he would do very well. Tall, dark, and handsome. It's it's what's what people want. I can tell you that a short man playing songs at a piano is frequently <laughs> enough. <laughs> Because everyone's the same height sitting down. I mean, it's about true. torso length, isn't it? That is true. Um, uh, so we talked this. about last, last or oh, two episodes ago uh, with, with his number one song, This Is How We Do It. In this, he goes on to say this is, this is going to be another number one. Didn't, didn't make number one. No. Got to 21. That's not too bad in the US. Sure. So it got to 19 in Australia. We liked it more than the US did. Uh, and look, I don't want to be one of those shows that shits on lyrics, but I'm going to break my rule for this one because verse two of this song g gets really good. I'm going to go through it. Let's let's mm -hmm. listen to it. And I had to play this to my family before, and they they very much enjoyed it. So here we go. Mm -hmm. Ooh, summertime, no fun of time for me to kick it with you. To find something or someone to get into I call up my crew, time to bring a brew And some Hennessy for the beach party So call up your girlfriends And you know they're always tense You know to be an ugly one But bring her too, come on Yes Inclusive, that's inclusive Gillian, do you have an ugly friend? <laughs> give, her, give her a shout out now Yes, you, you can bring her too yeah. It's everyone is welcome yeah. Oof. And he then goes on to say, fat or skinny, she likes to shoop. It's it's about equality, actually. It's actually body positive, yeah. actually. Yeah. My favourite bit of this is in the tag, is in the outro, where he's just going, and you. And, and you. you. Yeah. And you. And it gives me, I grew up deeply Catholic, and it just makes me think of, like, body of Christ. Yes. or like, And also with you. Like, there's something about it that's so orderly. <laughs> it's like, just a little, like... Uh, it's just so weird. He, yeah. It, this also has one of my favorite things that happens in pop songs, which is when somebody spells their name. Oh yes. Yes. M O T E L L. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Look, as as silly as it is, I think it's a really good follow up to "This Is How We Do It." Very much. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's fun. It also talks about summertime, as does this next song. This is. Yes. Shaggy and Ravon and their absolute monster jam in the summertime.
box, I'm a fear in the atmosphere. I'm a lover, a tire, and the clothes she wear. Some of them a bun up, them tires, some of them a job, don't care. Well, some of them a shine up, some a wax up, not a sign of smear. Gotta be rolling in my... Thanks, Shaggy. That's enough. I love it, though. Oof. I do like it. Look, I, I was so anti-Shaggy when I started doing this podcast. Because I, I, all I thought was, it wasn't me. And that Angel mm-hmm. song, which I didn't like. Now I'm listening to all his early stuff. I'm like, it's fun. It's not great, yeah. but it's fun. And I think he's just having fun with it. He does. Shaggy does always sound like he's having a great time being Shaggy. Yeah. Well, he, he was, he know, was in the army. So I think anything post-army, he's like, why am I complaining? Let's just have some fun with this. Great. Yeah. Um, we had this on, we had a compilation CD um, called Hot Hits for Cool Kids. Nice. <laughs> And this was on, and I, now that I think about it, a lot of them were just temperature related. There was like walking on sunshine, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, that's and this, and we loved it. That's good. So you may have also heard this song on the Flipper soundtrack in '96. It was, of course, it was on that. Uh, so this is a cover of the Mungo Jerry song. Uh, Shaggy replaces the line though, because um, they sing "Have a drink and drive," "Have a drink, have a drive." Shaggy doesn't want to say that that's that's bad so he changes it to speeding down the lane even though the speed limit's 25 so he doesn't want to promote driving under the influence but speeding is where shaggy's at yeah yeah the the key bit for me that i'd like to talk about is if her daddy's rich take her out for a meal yeah if her daddy's poor take her out for a meal (laughs) yeah take her out for more meals (laughs) come on man what false economy are we living in here? No, because if she's poor, just do whatever you want with her. Just do what you feel. Yeah, do yeah. it. Her, her bar is yeah. low. She's hungry. Well, that We can't blame Shaggy for that. That was the Mungo Jerry version, okay? so Okay, sure. But if he's changing, have a drink, yeah. have a drive. That's all I'll say. Yeah, if her There's daddy's rich, take her out for meals. If her daddy's poor, take her out for two meals. <laughs> yeah. Take them out for meals. Take the whole family if out for meals. If her daddy's poor, yeah. find a useful source of community outreach. Yeah. So the Mungo Jerry version sold over 30 million copies. Uh, it was written by lead singer uh, Trey Dorset as he was working his job for Timex in the lab and he said he wrote it in 10 minutes. He was just dreaming of being out in the sun. It got to number one in 17 countries, including Australia, where it got knocked off the top spot by a band called The Mixtures. Do you want to have a guess what song they did? No, I have no idea. The same fucking song. They just did a cover... <laughs> And it knocked it off, and they were number one for six weeks, more than the actual original. That's interpolation. Yeah, that that's, is. Yeah. I mean, get it far out. That's that's insane. It's the Australian charts back in the seventies. It was just wild what would happen. Just the wild yeah. west. Chaos. Um, so the Shaggy version was also very big, not as big as the Mungo Jerry, but it got to number three on the Billboard charts, and number one in both the R and B and the rap charts. And this led to Shaggy performing the song on Baywatch. But not as, it. not as part of the plot line. It's not like Shaggy's doing a concert on the beach and David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson are going to watch and there's something like just the start of the show, the credits roll, then Shaggy and Rayvon just singing it on the beach like it's a film clip, all these dances around them, two and a half minutes, then they just go into the actual show. No mention of Shaggy on the beach. No mention of even the car. Oh, did you see they were filming a film clip down there? No, I missed it. Just absolutely nothing to do with it. They were just like, 
hey, we can get them on the beach. That'll be cool. It's two and a half minutes. The riders don't have to do anything. That is wild. When I think about the level of creative um, storylining there was to get the Backstreet Boys into the end of a Sabrina the Teenage Witch episode, that's how you do it. Well, we're going to talk about (laughs) another uh, band who are on a a TV show a little bit later, a little bit later, but um, I think more TV shows should do this. Just go, because I know- Just a video clip, then the show. The young ones had Motorhead perform. They went, oh, yep. and now Motorhead, right. and then they, but they were actually used as like a montage. You'd still see them. This is nothing. No, no, no Yasmin no. Bleeth. No, the other woman with short hair who no one knows her name. Just. Yeah. Yeah. We would always have bands playing at the bait shop in the OC, but there would be a lot of talk in the episode, like, are you coming to Death Cab? Yeah. And then you'd see the characters watch Death Cab. It was so funny. I remember like the character Seth loving Bright Eyes. And then Bright Eyes put out two albums at once and they both got to number one and number two in America. And they even had to write into the show, oh, it's weird that everyone likes Bright Eyes now. It's like, yeah, because of you, because of this show. Yeah. <laughs> you, ch- you chose some indie artist that everyone was like, I don't know who that is, looked him up, went, oh, this is actually really good. And they loved the show so much. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Amazing. All right. Moving on. This Another another cover cover. They loved the covers in ninety in ninety five. This is Portrait doing their version of the BG song. How deep is your love? understand their legacy yeah. but they didn't just never like lit me up but i see that they're important i, f- I feel the same way bg's and abba not my style but i can see yes. they're great songwriting and uh they are important yeah for absolutely pop music it's on the saturday night fever album it was a christmas number one in america in 1977 so this is what it, uh, america was listened to around christmas time uh weirdly it's in the movie in a weird scene where they put doesn't really have you watched that on I Fever? okay I started watching it once when I was about 14 with my dad too and young. we stopped it yeah too young <laughs> yeah cuz you think oh it's all it's all disco and stuff cuz the cover of it looks fun and it's yeah, all no. disco disco's fun and it's it's really dark and really it's not about it's a it's a character piece it's it's, yeah. it's a really good film but just it's no. not what you think it is uh, so this is used in a scene where John Travolta, his character Tony, uh, has seen his friend's dead body dragged from the water 
Tony gets on a train to see a girl, Stephanie, who he tried to rape earlier that night. And that's when they play How Deep Is Your Love? Like when he's kind of like looking at her. And then there's another scene where he follows her to a house and asks, he just wants to be friends with her. And she's like, do you reckon you can be friends with a girl? And he's like, oh, probably not. I don't know. And then they hold hands. And then this song plays again. And then they kind of like are hugging. Then they kiss. And you go, are they friends? Is it romantic? You don't know. And then the credits play. And (laughs) sorry, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it. But And it's such a, a sweet song. And in the movie, it's such a. Like a weird, like it's a, such a weird time to put it yeah. in the film. Did they write the yeah. music for the film? Is it technically scoring? The, yes, they wrote the, so their their manager also produced the film and one of them in it. They were like, we're so tired. We've just come off so many albums and tours and stuff like that. We don't want to do it. And they didn't see the film and they just had some songs and went, there you go, have these songs. Wow. They actually didn't want to sing it initially. They wanted the uh, singer and Jesus Christ superstar actress Yvonne Elliman to sing it, but their manager was like, no, no, you have to sing it. This is going to be a big movie. Please, please sing it. And their manager was right. Um, So there's a thing coined as blood harmony. I don't know if you know this term. And it's the effect when siblings sing together. Um, Phineas Eilish, Billie Eilish's older brother, uh, has an EP titled uh, Blood Harmony and the way he and Billie sing together, you know. It's very good. So the Bee Gees have this in spades. They're like, yeah. Portrait, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. they can sing. They're great. But it's like the thing is like it, does, it's, it, has not, it doesn't have any soul to it, but there's something about the Bee Gees version compared to the portrait version. You're like going, yeah, this is, this is a cover. This yeah. is a, a copy. Yeah, it's that yeah. R&B close harmony vibe. It's the clicks throughout for me that just give me like immediately visceral like blue light disco, hands on shoulders, like, Dancing a meter apart, leaving some room for Jesus. Um, that's the vibe. Yeah. It's like a school slow dance. Well, good thing you say school because this is the TV show. This band were in a TV show, and not just any TV show. My favorite TV show in the year nineteen ninety five. Oh, great! Family Matters. So, <laughs> this group was featured in an episode of Family Matters. It's called Stormy Weather. Uh, and they perform their song, Here We Go Again. Now, in that episode, they're performing at the prom where Waldo, vaguely, I don't know if you remember, I did, if you watched vaguely. the show. So Steve Urkel, was the, was, mm-hmm. he was the star of the show. He was the nerd, very smart, weird, did I do that, had all the catchphrases. He was in love with Laura. Laura was, Carl. she was in the family, okay. Then they threw in a character called Waldo because they realised that we need someone dumb in this show and the older brother, we need him to be able to be kind and nice. So we just need a dumb person. So Waldo filled that role. His first thing, he was a bully. And then they just went, no, just let's make him dumb. So he had a whole character transformation, okay. which they didn't even talk about. It's just like he was a bully. And now, no, he's just a dumb guy. So he says that his cousin is in the band Portrait. And the cousin is like, we'll play, but you can't, you've got to promise Waldo, you don't tell anyone that I'm your cousin. Okay. And then Steve Urkel guesses which one is Waldo's cousin. Okay. So that was 93. Mm-hmm. So that was their big break, being on Family Matters. So this is from 95, two years after Family Matters. And they call their album 
all that matters. <laughs> now, I reckon they're trying to still cash in two years later that they are on Family Matters. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, take it where you can get it. Yeah, I think? agree. I absolutely agree. 100%. Oh, yeah, good. Wow. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's a, it's a song. It's a cover. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back very, very soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we're back. All right. Now, besides Queen, this band, possibly the biggest band on this album. Huge band. They're called Simply Red. And this is their song, Fairground. And listener, you don't know this, but Gillian is, <laughs> had a fist pumping in the air, as I mentioned, Simply Red. Here we go. I'm not a Simply Red fan, but I can appreciate very good sounding drums. This is a banger. I just, <laughs> it's so good. It's its really complex for a pop song yeah. as well. Not that they're, they're just a pop band, but it is like there's so much going on yeah, musically. Yeah, we're in like weird kind of major sevens. We're always on the offbeat or that da, 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 yeah. da. That never happens, especially not in 95 in a pop song. No. That weird kind of synthy, synthy thing, like the sequencer that's doing that, like, do-do-do-do-do-do. What is this? So this is the first time Simply Red have been on on the on the podcast. Mm. So a bit of so Mick Hucknell and the other guys. Uh, <laughs> by the time '95 had come around, they'd already had their biggest hits, which is "Holding Back the Years" and "If You Don't Know Me by Now," which everyone oh. now associates with Ricky Gervais David from Brown. The Office. Yes. Mm. Uh, Holding Back the Years, though, it was originally released by Mick's punk band, The Frantic Elevators. Huh. 
That's that's that. So, you know, obviously doesn't sound too punk, but they were a punk band, and that was a little bit of a minor hit for them. And so the band split up not long after that. And Mick was like, maybe that's the style of music I should be writing. Write me write some ballads instead of some angry punk songs. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mick Hucknall was apparently at the first Sex Pistols gig in Manchester. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So on June fourth, nineteen seventy six, at the Lesser Free Trade Hall. Uh, which was a room that only fit 150 people, although people who uh, talk about it say the amount of people who say, yeah, I was at the first Sex Pistols would be like 7,000 people. Yeah, it's Wembley Stadium. Yep. Yeah. But this is who was actually in in the room when the Sex Pistols played their first gig. It was uh, Morrissey, uh, all the members of Joy Division, Factory Records founders Martin Hannett and Tony Wilson, who also went on to create the Hacienda, which we've talked about lots on the show. Everything from the UK in around this time all harks back to the Hacienda. It just must have been a melting pot of anyone who wanted to be in a band. Uh, the poet John Cooper Clark and Marky e. Smith from the band The Fall. So they were all there. Right. Uh, and in the film, I think The Filth and the Fury, they talk about Mick Hucknall being there. I'm like, oh, God, don't say that we created Mick Hucknall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the band split up, the Frantic Elevators, and Mick went on to form his own band. They had a bunch of different names, but for a while they were called Just Red. <laughs> and not Red, Just Red. Just Red. Yeah, because of Mick, Mick Hucknall's nickname was Red because he had red hair. Mm. Uh, if he was Australia, they'd be called Just Blue. Blue. People could, yeah. uh, but then they changed it to Simply Red because they thought it sounded nicer than Just Red. I it agree. did. Yeah. And here's a question that I have for the universe. Why do all mums love Simply Red? I don't know. What is it? Because my mum loved this song. Oh, my God. I love when this blew my mind because I remember when Fairground came out, I remember watching it on Rage, like one of its first plays, and I was like, this is kind of fun. And then my mum liked it, and that was mind blowing. Yeah. I can remember only this is like the only popular song that my mum was like, yes. The one, only one that my dad was ever like, I love this, was totally addicted to bass. He just loved oh, it. Josh Abraham. Like my parents were not like into pop music. You know, we were always listening to like Gold 104 KQ. Yeah. But like, she just loved this. But then she went on to love All Simply Red, and it became one of her like core house cleaning albums. But it was the best mood. So if you woke up on a Saturday morning. And simply red was on. You knew oh. we were going to clean house, but like we weren't in trouble. Yep. So this was they were bigger in the US than the UK, but this is the only number one song in the UK. Oh. And it did very little in the US. Wow. So by the time this came out, the US were done with them. Uh, and they say so. Andy Wright, producer. He said that Mick Hutton wanted to do a Brazilian carnival style track, which is why the drums sound like that. Uh, Mick went to the dentist for two hours, and when he came back, Andy had the idea to sample a record that he knew called Give It Up by the Goodman, which is the, the drums. Oh, there you so, go. there you go. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I like this song. I didn't think I would. When I saw it coming up, I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to have to listen to Simply Red. But I take it back, Mick. I'm very sorry. Yeah. All right. Whew. Moving on. This That's one. Good. Dana Dawson. Three is family.
See, the Spice Girls told us two becomes one. She's telling us no, two and one is three. So, <laughs> pop music was all over the all over the place with maths back in the nineties. Absolutely, I enjoy this song more when I stopped thinking about it as a couple welcoming a baby and started thinking about it as a couple welcoming a third. Yeah, there you go. It's just, it's <laughs> then the I was first like, it's really progressive, yeah. and I'm into it. Yeah, <laughs> I was laughing saying the first polyamorous couple I know that's in popular culture is uh, Charlie Bucket's grandparents in that bed. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> that's, if you watch that film like that, like poor Charlie every day coming home just for his grandparents. Yeah, because they're not related, are they? No, they can do it. They're fine. Just living in that big bed. Just living it up while the mum's just washing clothes in a big cauldron with a wooden spoon. Oh, they? she has to wash the sheets all the time. They dirty up those sheets. Oof, that's rough. But that. <laughs> That is a very good poly meme you've come up with right there. That's perfect. Thank you. So Dana Dawson, I'd never heard of her before this. I'd never heard mm. this song before. This is what I found out. She's a child actor, got her first right. break in the stage production of Annie, which toured America. In, 98, uh, in 88, at age 14, she released her first single called Ready to Follow You, which got to 15 in France. She's not from France. Her follow-up <laughs> two years later, Romantic World, did even better, got to number four in France. 33 in Sweden and 104 in Australia. Her next single, Tell Me Benita, also number four in France. So she was American but doing well in France. She's there, Tina Arena. Yeah, I was just about to say. She had a French production team who were like, let's like, maybe there was some kind of like, we like Americans, kind of that, this is an American pop star, we kind of, yeah, try and make her big. But Dana had bigger dreams. She wanted to break into other markets, so she left her friend's record label, signed to EMI, hence the inclusion of, on this compilation because this is who did it. And after two years, released her album Black Butterfly, and this was the first single from it. It got to number nine in the UK, six in Italy, 54 here in Australia, 59 in Germany, and where do you think it got in France? It's either like one or a hundred. Nowhere. They said, fuck you, Dana. We don't, we've... You turn your back oh. on us, we turn our back on you. Didn't Je do pas. anything. Didn't even. I, I'm not even sure it was released in, in France. Wild. Yeah. That is very possessive of France and honestly hot. Yeah. So this song uh, was released on June 26, 1995, same day as D-Ream's Shoot Me With Your Love was released. We discussed that last week. Also, my 14th birthday. Uh, Congrats. So there you go. Thanks. No more hits after this. This is her only hit. Uh, released a few singles, but this uh, might interest you. In 2001, she was in the Broadway production of Rent, having been an understudy for all of 2000 on a national tour. Do you know oh, Do you it. know the musical Rent very well? Joshua, please. I thought yes. you would. Yeah. <laughs> so she played Mimi and Joanne in those get it. productions. Yeah. 
Amazing. Yeah. I, we lo- I love to see someone go from a national tour into the Broadway yeah. run. That's always such a big and beautiful transition. Yeah. Uh, sad ending for Dana, though. Uh, she died in 2010 of bowel cancer. She was only 36. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But what a ride. lived a life. Yeah. All right. Now, I've never done this before on the show, Gillian. Mm-hmm. I'm going to combine two songs. Because to me, if the Triple M uh, playlist people could put these songs back to back, I'm going to do it here as well. They're so the this is song. the Screaming Jet Sad Song. And Chocolate Starfish, April the Fool. Last week I, I confused the fused the band. I'm doing it. So we'll, we'll play Sad Song, a bit of Sad Song first. How about a sad song to help me get further down? So down like I'm drowning, so down like I'm dying. How about a sad song to pull the rug from under me? When I was okay, when I was sane, when I found my way, yeah. How about a warning There we go. And now, April the Fool by Chocolate Starfish. Now, I've been harsh on Chocolate Starfish on this podcast. Okay. They don't do anything for me. This is their best song by a mile, Gillian. Oof. This, I, I, I say the drums on this song are great. I, li- I like the drums on this. Great. His vocals, give or take. He's in tune and it's fine. I don't like that, the, the, that kind of stuff in <laughs> songs. Yeah. Uh, but these two songs, this is, this is what I feel has happened here on this compilation. The person who's compiling it wants to impress their boss. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, we'll put some, some dad rock on it. It's like when, when you're a kid and you're trying to convince the adults, your parents, to get ice cream. So you try and f- switch it to go, to make it sound like it's their idea. Like you mm-hmm. look at the, look at the like servo and you see they've got like a heart or an Eskimo pie or a Frisco, something that only parents would have. Yeah. You go, oh, mum, you like those hearts. Dad, 
they've got they've got Eskimo pies. You like Eskimo pies because yeah. you want to get a Bubble Bill or whatever the shit you want to get. Yeah, that's what they've done here. They're like the compilers go, well, I want to put Montel Jordan and I want to put Barry, but oh, we're not going to get it through. All right, we'll give them a BG's cover and we'll give them these two rock songs. We're going to get it but on. But why are they next to each other? I guess. Trying... We have to think about CD order in a pre-shuffle era. Maybe they're going to a vibe. All right, we've done our dance songs. Now we're going into some some dad rock. I just want to point out here that my brother, who is 10 years older than me, would have loved, did love both these bands and probably would have loved both these songs. And at Christmas decided to come for me by saying that all female singers-songwriters sound the same. Absolutely ah. not. I shan't be having that. <laughs> well, I've been listening to this. I've, I've gone through it a few times, mm. the whole thing. And every time, because this, I, to the list, I make a playlist mm. and then Spotify will just play a song based on the last song. And every single time Spotify has played Hunters and Collectors after this. And I'm yes, like, that happened to me too. It's perfect. It's exactly what should go after these songs. It yeah. Is, yeah. So I think that's, yeah, look, I don't want to shit on the Screaming Jackson's Chocolate Starfish. They're not for me, but good on them. They're, they're still doing shows. Both yeah. these bands. Living the dream. Yeah. That is fantastic. That's what I'll say. I would really like a thesis or a study into this particular vocal sound in the 90s, specifically yeah. for men of this like, yeah. like that kind of like Pearl Jam, like Hootie and the Blowfish. Like where did it come from? Why did everyone start doing it? It's fascinating. Well, it's, it is really weird because do you think it's a – I kind of because it's not a natural thing. No one talks like that. You hear these people talk; they don't talk in that kind of way. No. So it's just a start in the same way that we've lived through years of like I'm going to sing yeah. in this letter voice, like that. <laughs> like you do get vocal sounds that come in and out of vogue. It's really interesting to me as like a singer and a songwriter, but just as someone who loves music, to be like, who did this first? And other people were like, I want to sound like that. Well. The first one I knew about was Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Of course. But I'm sure he wasn't the first one to do it. I'm sure there were people before him that he kind of copied as well. Also, Pearl Jam are one of those bands I kind of liked at, at the time. Then, like, in my 20s, like, nah, Pearl Jam, nah, not for me. And now I've kind of gone back and maybe this yeah. podcast has made me look nostalgic and go, actually, no, they had some very good songs. And Eddie Vedder's ukulele album I quite like as well. Okay, I've not heard it, but good to know. It's quite nice. All right, that's all we need to say on the songs. <laughs> now it's the time we go through. Let's go through these songs and let's see how many hits there actually are. All right, Gillian, Heaven for Everyone by Queen. Is that a hit or is that not? Hit. That was a very tentative hit. Hit with context. Okay, yeah, with context, yep. Okay. Sunshine After the Rain by Berry. Hit. Hit, good. Something for the Honeys, Montel Jordan. <laughs> Powerful, inclusive feminist hit. Great. <laughs> In the Summertime by Shaggy featuring Rayvon. Yeah, hit. It's fun. How Deep Is Your Love by Portrait. It's a miss. It's a miss for me. I'm glad you said miss. Uh, Fairground by Simply Red. It's a powerful hit, 100%. Would you say that's the biggest hit on the album for you? Yes. Okay. Three Years Family by Dana Dawson. That's a miss. It's got to be a miss. Sad song by the Screaming Jets. For me personally, a miss. A miss. Yeah. April the Fool, Chocolate Starfish. Also a miss. 
We have five out of nine. I think that is very fair. I think that is probably the correct the correct answer there, Gillian. I really wanted to be positive, but I didn't want to lie. We've had a few in the past where I'm like, that we're lucky we got past two. Okay, this, good. Okay, that makes me feel better. This was good. This was good. Hey, thank you so much for doing this, Gillian. Hey, you've got shows in the comedy festival. I do for the first time in years. I'm back, baby. Tell people how uh, um, they can get tickets. Yes, my show is called Actually Good. Um, do I regret the title already? Why would you ask me that? Um, you can get tickets at uh, the Comedy Festival website, comedyfestival.com.au. Um, just search for my name. It's going to be a fun show. It's a show about stuff that you like. When you um, did the title, did you think of how the reviewers might take to the title? Because yeah. they could go, actually, she's underselling herself. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hope. A low bar. Maybe I should have called it actually fine. Because I <laughs> did a show there. called uh, Talks, Josh Earl Talks, and my friend Carl Chandler said, you know, this gives like the reviewers an opportunity to go, Josh Earl Talks, the audience don't laugh. I'm like, all right, come on. like, No, thanks. that's not what that does. And also let's never forget there was a comedian who shall remain nameless that named their show funny. That's, that's just asking for trouble. That's great. That's great. I heard a, a review today. Um, Dave O'Neill did a movie many years ago called Takeaway and the Herald Sun used to do five-word reviews um, and the five-word review for it was more dim than it sims. (laughs) Take a day off, Herald Sun. You've outdone yourself. Um, Yeah, very, very good. Hey, I'm also doing a show in the Comedy Festival. Mine is for children. If you've got kids aged between five and nine, I'm doing a show called human.kind. It's a very nice show. You'll like it as an adult as well. Uh, it's at the Q Courthouse. So tickets are at joshell.com.au. Plus, I'm doing my podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am? The old podcast. Four live shows at the European Beer Cafe, three o'clock on Saturdays. Season passes are only $50 for all four shows. So cheap. Uh, So make sure you go and get the tickets there. That would be great. Thank you so much for doing this, Gillian. You're the absolute best. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.